Hey, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, I'm happy that you're here. I'm kind of happy I'm up here, even though sometimes I get kind of scared of public speaking and stuff, but I'm, I'm happy I'm here. Um, coming here today, I had this thing pop up that I, before I get going in this sermon. I just, I just want to talk about it. There's this podcast, so I'm a podcast person. There's this podcast I was playing on the, the trip here, and um, there is this podcast about the burning bush, and there's this Hebrew guy who was just talking about his, his ideas on the burning bush, and, and Hebrew people, they question everything, and that's something I really enjoy about their culture, is they, they always bring up these, these profound questions, kind of even if they even apply or not, if they're true or not, who cares? We're going to question everything, and so his, his idea or his question had been, um, had the burning bush begun to burn whenever Moses passed by to get his attention, or had the burning bush always been burning and Moses happened to see it? And then he started to go down this whole path about, about the, the burning bush and what the point of the burning bush was, and, and, and possibly could there have been the other people have passed by the burning bush before, but never have seen it. And it was just Moses who happened to see the bush burning and then to draw his attention toward it to hear God speak. His whole idea had been, you know, is it possible for the presence of God or, or God or the things that we are trying to find um, or the things that, that our hearts are wanting, that they are actually here all the time. We just don't pay attention. We don't see it. And then there are those who do see it. We proclaim that it's everywhere. For instance, uh, on Friday, the best thing happened. It was horrible, but it was bad. And that's typically how things go, right? The, the horrible things, they turn out to be the good things. And so on Friday, I was in this hurry to get out. I had so much things to do. And, and so I was at home and I had this, this huge pile of things in the arms here and I'm holding them and I have, have my computer and my iPad and this whole bunch of things here. And then I'm trying to get out of the house and the kids are crying because they're like, how come you just can't stay home today? You know, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. And they're, they're giving me a hard time and I feel really bad that I got to go, but I have to. And, and so then I can't find the car keys, but I have to go. And so I have this idea that the kids probably hid them because that's who the kids are. They would hide my keys because they're angry at me that I have to go. So I can't go. So then I say, hey guys, can I please have the keys? I know you hid them. And they're like, we didn't hide the keys. And they start crying. It's like, oh no, you know? And so, so then this whole situation happens. That's like, okay, fine. I probably just can't find the keys because I forget everything. That, that's a part of my personality. I am a very forgetful person. Um, so, so anyway, I, then I think, oh, they're probably out in the truck because there are those times that, that I'll pull in and I'll forget to pull out the keys from my car. And so I go out there and I have my thing and then it's like, but they're not in there. And so then I come back in the house and I'm starting to get angry because that's what I do. And so then I started to get angry. I'm like, guys, please help me. I need to find my keys. And then I forgot I have the, the, the GPS like finder thing, you know, attached 
to the keys because I always forget my keys. And so I bought this GPS thing and I forgot. And so I go on my phone, I hit the GPS thing and my keys be going to go beep, 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 right? I'm like, awesome, I can hear them. And they seem really close. And so I start looking everywhere. I'm going through my pockets and I can't find them and it's crazy. And, and then I say, hey guys, help me out. Do you see my keys? And it's like everywhere I go, like it's closer and closer. And and then my daughter begins cracking up and she's like, dad, your keys are in your hand. They were right here. And I had my pile and I had my keys. And I was so intent on the things I had to do, the places I had to go, all the people I needed to talk to, everything that was so important that I couldn't see that the thing that I needed in that moment of time that I had already had it, that it was mine, I could have gone. And I think that, that a bunch of us, a bunch of times, have that same sort of issue, that, that we are so focused on the place that we are going that, that we don't see that the thing that we're going to go get, we already have, that that's often right in front of us. So often, we are so intent on the pursuit of God. God and God has to be over there and God has to be over there and he's overseas or he's over there, he's over there. We're at a Bible study, he's here at church, we gotta go. That we actually don't ever find the X that marks the spot because the X that marks the spot, you're actually standing on it. And so we are, are so focused on the places we need to do that we don't get to see that it's right here. Oftentimes, it's just right there in plain text in front of us, screaming at us. Here it is. Here it is. So our church is doing the sermon series called In Plain Text. And so we are going through the Gospel of Luke and just seeing what God has to say to us today. Um, the series has been fantastic. It's, it's kind of like had freedom all over it. Just being able to say, God, what are you saying through this text? What are you just blatantly speaking out? And today's text proclaims he is here. God is here. You're standing on it. This is holy ground. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and our verses are going to be 11 through 17. This passage, whenever Pastor Allen told me I, I, I had to preach it, I actually said, yes, because th th this is one of my favorite stories. Um, this is one of the most um, poetic, good, deep texts that I just get really excited about. So, um, so as a congregation, I want, uh, want us to say this together. Here we go. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large cloud went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear. They were carrying him on 
And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So this is a story about a funeral, right? Right off the bat, this is a story about a funeral. And it's just not any funeral. This is kind of an important funeral. It's a boy's funeral. So, so, so in Hebraic culture, for them to say it's a boy, he's probably under the age of 12. And then furthermore, uh, he is a boy of a mother who does not have a husband. This is important. The Bible points it out. If everything that, that the text says is important. It's just not in there for happenstance. For, so, so for the author to say that he is a boy, he's under the age of 12. Furthermore, his, his mom, her husband has passed on. This is important. And so this is important because you need to understand the context of the funeral and the things that is happening. Sure, it is a sad thing. Someone's son has passed. But moreover, for this woman whose son has died, in the Hebraic economy, a woman cannot own property and a woman cannot take care of herself. And so the fact that her husband has died, that means her, her only hope and her only prosperity is found through her son who is going to grow up and take care of her. This is just how things are culturally. And so this funeral is happening. This is like the idea idea you know, of the black parade. It's like the mom's son has just passed. And furthermore, her whole hope of who she is as a person and being taken care of is dead. And she is like mortified. And she is, is, is you know, I mean, just put yourself in that situation. Furthermore, there are a there's a huge crowd that has come out to join them because this situation is bad. There are funerals happening all the time during this this time period in the biblical time period. The, the, the average age of someone who dies is at the age of. 37. So if you are over the age of 37 today, good for you. I'm hitting that almost there. And so, I mean, but the average age people died at was at the age of 37. People were dying. Funerals were common. And Christ himself had seen probably hundreds of funerals. And he's standing there as this funeral procession or a funeral parade is taking place. And it's heavier than the average funeral is. It's this funeral of a boy whose mom does not have a husband. And it goes on and says that Jesus sees her and his heart goes out to her. The thing that I think is very interesting also about this text, it's not he sees him, this boy who's being carried and his heart goes out to the boy who has passed. He sees the mom who does not have a husband and his heart goes out to her. That, that, that there are other 
texts who translate that as saying, and his, he saw her and his heart broke. I think that's awesome. Like, I think that's awesome. Um, I, I get excited about the idea that God's heart breaks. Why? I think it's awesome that God's heart breaks because so often I think about the heart of God being, being just as hard of encouragement all the time. So whenever, whenever bad things happen, he says, ah, oh, come on, you know, it's going to be okay. Or, or when something just horrible happens, it's all right, there's heaven, you know, or, you know, it's just like God's always encouraging and, you know, come on, just pick your head up, pick your head up, KJ, look at me. But this idea that Jesus sees this woman whose son just died and his heart breaks for her. I mean, like, he knew, like, he knew, like, hey, here's the deal. He's in heaven now. You know, like, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about this. There's, there's eternity at hand. Think big picture, you know. Or he doesn't go over and hug her, you know. Like, his heart genuinely breaks for this woman who has no hope. I love that. That's good news for us. That's good news for anyone who has felt pain. It's good news for any of us who cry. It's good news for any of us who have, have battled cancer. It's good, good news for any of us who've ever gone to a funeral. It's good news for any of us who feel helpless at times. It's just good news because it means like God sees us and he sees our pain and he sees our tears and he sees that. It's good news for people that are human. You know, and so often the church, we pretend not to be human, but the church is for humans who hurt and break and cry and hopelessness. Good. He sees it. So they're at this funeral, this woman, you know, there's her son being carried and Jesus sees her and his heart breaks. I love it. I love it just because of the context of the imagery. Because you got to think of all the different people that are participating in this. Because Hebrew funeral processions are different than ours. First of all, they don't have cars, right? There's no cars. And they actually don't include horses back then. It's just people. And the city, the whole city normally takes the ownership when someone in their town dies. And so you imagine this whole city is coming out because this boy has died and they don't get it. Like this is a heavy funeral procession. There's the Pharisees that, that are there saying, how do I explain this to our people? And then there's a family that are there saying, how are we going to take care of her? I don't know what to do. There are people that are just friends of the family who don't understand. And, and there are people asking, if God is good, how could this happen? And, and there are people that, that are just observing, saying, something has to be done about this and her and the situation. If you think about it, this idea of the parade or the processionals, they haven't changed a lot. That there are these black parades and there are these, heart, uh, these, these heartfelt situations where people are congregating all over the planet today. Afghanistan, Syria, Serbia, Myanmar, Denver, where people are, are asking the same sorts of questions. What is happening? If God is good, how could this happen? And Ah, you know, like I just go on and on about like how the, the human heart and the human perspective, we are always in the same spot of God. Where are you? 
And the good news is God's heart breaks. Because the thing is, is, is during this funeral procession that is taking place, and this is, this is, this is good. God is standing right there. You know, like, like Jesus saw it, right? He was there. Like he saw it for his heart to break. God was standing right there as they passed by and no one knew it. There was a burning bush right there and no one saw it. It's the podcast. It's brilliant. It's all about perspective. What do you see? And it's when God's heart broke, when Jesus' heart broke, he then spoke. He called out. And then things began to happen. See, when I see this story and when I see this, this biblical text, like I get goosebumps. I love it. Because I, I feel it and I see it and I picture myself there. Have you ever been, been to a place or been in a situation that is just, just phenomenal? Okay, like say you've climbed a 14er or you've gone backpacking someplace or you're out in the country and the sun's coming up or, or you're at some tropical paradise. I've never really been to tropical paradise, but some of you have. And you're like, oh, you know, I just want my family to be here. I just want to show people this. You know, if they could feel what I feel right now and you pull out your camera, that's like probably a horrible camera from your phone, and you take a picture and you're thinking, if I just show my family this picture, that they will feel what I feel right now. And then you, you bring your camera home and you show, you show your family this view you had from the top of a 14er and then the friends and the family go, that's cool. And you're like, no, it's not cool. You know, like, like this, like standing here, it, it, I have this feeling that I wanted to throw up, but I didn't because I was really excited. And I stayed there, you know, and, and you went, they're like, okay, here, I have a better picture. And then you, you go through your phone and, and you're hoping the more pictures you show them, the more they'll be like, oh, I really get how awesome that situation. But they never say that, right? They never say, oh, I get it now. Because the thing you say after that is you probably just have to be there. You have to go there. And oftentimes, whenever, whenever I spend a lot of time in a text, it's like that same feeling to me. It's like, Okay, you just need to go there, right? And so there's a paraphrase um, of the story of this passage that I think does a really good job at helping us go there and being, being more a part of this story and having a better picture of what is happening here. So here it is. So as a congregation, here we go. When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. He said to her, don't cry. Then he went over and touched the coffin. The pallbearer stopped. He said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead son sat up and began talking. Jesus presented him to his mother. They all realized that they were in a place of holy mystery, that God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful, calling out amongst themselves, God is back looking to the needs of his people. 
the news of Jesus spread all through the country. Wow. Right? So, so Jesus' heart breaks. He, he tells this boy, get up. And then he skits up and he starts talking. And then what do the people say? We are in a place of holy mystery. First of all, that's awesome, right? That, that type of vocabulary is awesome. Paul talks in that vocabulary all the time. He talks about the mystery of the gospel all the time. And so these people, they see this happening and they go, we are in a place of holy mystery, which as the church, praise the Lord. Because the thing that we often come to church for is the holy answers or the holy explanation to everything or the holy understanding of all things. But here, this thing that happens when this dead boy is brought back to life, they say, this is a place of holy mystery. I love that. Because then things are born through it. What are the things that happen whenever these Jewish people find themselves at a parade and then this dead boy sits up and they proclaim, we are in a place of holy mystery. The first thing that happens is they are quietly worshipful. Quietly worshipful. There is something that is beautiful about silence. I, 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 if I were there in that situation, this dead boy got up and started talking. I'd go, holy cow! See that? Did you see that? He's talking. Are you sure he was dead in the first place? I mean, I would be the critic. Can you just picture this idea of everyone realizes they're in this place of holy mystery. And then, and they're quietly worshipful. Definition of worship in this situation is bending your heart towards God. It's like the, the flower and the sun. As the sun passes, the flower follows it. It's bending your heart towards God, right? We often just say it's like singing songs and things, right? But in this situation, it's bending our hearts towards God. And, and so, whoa, <laughs> oh, Right? Because in this situation, they're at a funeral. Like picture yourself here and picture all the different types of people that are here. The whole city is shut down for this funeral and, and they're asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And th th then all of a sudden, their hearts go from being internally focused and thinking about their situation to outwardly focused and pointing at God bending towards God quietly. Um, something our church does that I think is just wonderful, um, Pastor Allen is like the expert at this, is whenever he gets done doing this, his, his sermon, like he will have like a five to 10 minute time that he just takes us through the, these quiet 
prayer exercises, that he gives us the opportunity to turn our heart towards God quietly and, and, and contemplatively. And it gives us the opportunity to not just plow through our experience. So many of us plow through our experiences that, that we will hear something awesome, we'll experience something great. And then the first thing that we do do before it even becomes a part of us is we have to tell someone else or we have to, you know, jot it down or we have to, we have to, you know, turn it into a product or something before it even sinks in, before it even becomes a part of us. It's kind of like you have this, this huge meal in front of you and you consume it. And then before it even becomes a part of you, you puke it up. Right? It's like so many of us do that with the experiences that God has g given us or, or the things that the Bible is telling us. You don't give it time to sink in, become a part of you, your body, and then share it and be it. That's what happens in this situation. They are quietly turning their hearts towards God. And then... They go into a time when their tarts are turned towards God. It says they then become noisily grateful. Noisily grateful. First of all, I don't understand that term. It's like, it's just like chaos to me. But it's noisily grateful. And this is like the essence of praise, right? Like, Praise is, is exposing the heart of graciousness. It is, it, it, it's like heaving it up towards heaven and saying, God, you are amazing. Are you kidding me? We thank you. We love, you know, it's like, yeah, like that. Um, I didn't plan on doing that. And that was weird. Um, so, so first of all, they find themselves in this place of holy history. Wow. And then the hush breaks over. And then, oh, wow, thank you, right? And there's this big thank you. When was the, 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 the time that you have just said to God, thank you, graciousness, thank you. And how often are, are our praise filled with just thanks of how amazing he is, what he does. And then what happens after that? What happens after the people say, thank you, you are amazing. They begin to proclaim something. And this is what gives me goosebumps, is they begin to proclaim, God is back. God is back and he's looking after the needs of his people. God is back, looking after the needs of his people. What is profound about this? First of all, to say God is back, you'd have to assume that he's been absent. And for the Hebrew people, they've felt the absence of God. Secondly, he's looking after the needs of his people. You see, whenever Jesus brought this dead boy back to life, he didn't bring the dead boy back to life to bring the dead boy back to life. He saw the woman and his heart broke. He knew that her needs would not be met apart from this boy. And he saw her, he saw her situation, saw her story, saw the Hebrew economy, saw the things that were broken, and then he fixed it. 
God saw the needs of her, his people and he fixed it. And so these people are saying, God is back. God is back, looking after the needs of his people. And then it goes on to say that the word of Jesus then went out to spread all over Judea and the whole countryside. Like this is the essence of evangelism because people, first of all, found themselves in a place of holy mystery. The best evangelism, the best stories come from a place of not holy explanations or holy answers or that. It's the best stories come from holy mystery. Hearts are transformed when they're quietly praising him. And then God is glorified in the midst of crazy praise. And what does that bring us to do is just to proclaim, holy cow, God is here. God is here and he sees us. And this is good news for if you've ever been in any sort of hard situation or in, in the situation such as a funeral or a parade. Either you are possibly the boy who's been carried. Some of us have felt like we have been dead inside for a super long time. And so if you are the person who feels like someone should have a funeral for you because you have checked out, there's good news for you. God brings dead things back to life. Some of you are the family of the dead person, poetically speaking that you don't know what to do, that you don't know what to hope in, that you don't know. And you're wondering, is God here? Does God see me? What do I do? Where do I go? Where's my hope? Some of you, if you are the holy people that are a part of the parade who are saying, how do I explain this to my friends? Some of you are in the city just seeing it happen, saying, how, how does this make sense? How does this, this make sense of my idea of God and Christianity and the kingdom. What is God up to? So someone just see the situation around the world and all the things that are happening and we're confused. If you're in any of those spots, which I think you should be because that's just human, um, there is good news for you. Is There's the burning bushes that are everywhere. They are on fire and they are proclaiming, I see you and my heart breaks for you and I am here. The thing is, is that, that oftentimes in th these situations, we're so bent on finding the answer and fixing it that we don't see that the keys have been in our hands the whole time and we just cry out in agony. The truth of the matter is, that God is here and he's looking after the needs of his people. And that's what people long to know. And that's what people long to hear is that God is not coming. God is here and he's coming. God just you know, doesn't exist in the past. He exists in the past and he exists in the present and he exists in the future and he's making all things new. And this is what those people, after they saw the dead boy come back to life, this is what they saw. 
And this is the essence of the gospel. Like, gospel is actually good news. It should be easy to share. It should be something that people hear and go, oh, thank God. Right? And this is why Paul, who is the best evangelist on the face of the earth ever, all time, he's like the MVP evangelist, he asked his friends and he asked his church to pray for him. Here's a, a, a thing that, that, that the apostle Paul says. Here, here we go. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. First of all, Paul, he's awesome. He knows everything I think. And he says, pray for me that I may have courage to share the gospel. And not only the gospel, he says, pray for me that I may have the courage to share the mystery of the gospel and make it known. And so I want you to pray for me that I may have the courage to preach and proclaim the gospel as fiercely as I should. And I will pray for you that because you find yourself often in holy ground, in a place of holy history, that you will see the burning bushes that are all around you, that you will be quietly worshipful and noisily grateful. And may you proclaim that God is here looking after the needs of his people. Because when, when people hear that, it gives them, me, us, you goosebumps. And it makes us shiver because this is true. May you know that where you are is where God is because he's been there, is there, and will continue to be there. And you are on a holy ground. May you know that God is here and he sees your situation. He sees your family. He sees your finances. He sees what you are in and going through and he feels it. May you know that God looks after the needs of his people. May you know it's okay to be quiet. And may you know it's okay to be loud. And may you have the courage to fearlessly proclaim the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ because you personally have experienced it firsthand. And may you know that you are deeply, deeply loved. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, we thank you for who you are and the places you put us in. God, we thank you that the, the stories that you give us that seem to be really hard God, we thank you that you are present, that you are here. Help us to see you. Help us to see the places you have always been. 
Help us to see you in the places that are and the places that we are going into. Oh Lord, help us to see the truth that you see us. Thank you for your heart for us and the heart that you have that engages ours. God, we thank you that your heart breaks when our heart breaks. God, for our family here, I ask you to show them the places you are in their own spaces and in their own hardships. Show them the places you are. God, there, there's a tendency for us to only see you in the times that are joyous and the times that are good. And we often give those to you. But it's really hard to see you in the places that are broken and the places that are empty and the places that are dark. God, shine in our dark places. Show us that you've always been there. Give us a different perspective. Oh, oh, oh Lord, teach us how to engage you in the places that you are. Give us hearts that value time of just quiet praise, quiet turning towards you. Teach us to value times of noisily praising you. Help our hearts shift from being so internally focused to being focused on you. Our energy comes from you. Our story comes from you. Our salvation comes from you. Everything comes from you. Help us to stop staring at ourselves. Oh Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the things that you were doing, that you see us. God, our hearts are yours and only yours. Our bodies are yours and only yours. God, see us and bring us back to life.